0: So we're back in Ephesians, and today, even though we only have a little bit of reading, we're going to get to verse 25, so we're going to go from verse uh, 20 to 25, to 25 today. Mm-hmm. Last week, we left off on verse 19. What chapter? Chapter 4 of Ephesians. We're going to look at verse 25, I'm sorry, 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. And if... On a subject which I think this one is valid, the subject would be the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus. Come down the NASB, and let's pray, then we'll jump into the scripture. Heavenly Father, God, oh Lord, you know I need you, God, Lord. Please minister to your sheep, God, through me, Lord need to make your word clear, Lord. Where if I fall short, God, will you just minister mm-hmm. to the body through your word, even when they leave this place? God, let this not be a waste of time, Lord. How your truths to just come off the page and jump into their hearts and their eyes and their mind. I want them to understand your voice, Jesus, to know when it's your voice and not the voice of someone else. Mm-hmm. so let's just read the text. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 to 25. We at 19 last week, but I will do a summary. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start with a summary, then we'll read the text, Um, just to bring us all up to speed. So we are here in Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul is ministering to this church in Ephesus. And from verse 17 down to 19, we look at what the uh, ordinary life looks like. Remember, as Christians, we are called to live the extraordinary life, right? We are called to live lives above the ordinary. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at what the ordinary life is by seeing what it is not. Or the, I'm sorry, the extraordinary life is by seeing what it is not, right? So that's what we've been going through. So from verse 17 to down to verse 19, Paul has been showing us what the ordinary life looks like, the life how we should not live, what that looks like, the life of a Gentile or a people who are far from God. So that's how Paul starts in verse 17 by showing us these are people who are far from God, don't live this way because you are not like that. And so that's what Paul does throughout this text. He's showing us what the ordinary life looks like so we can see what not to do and how to live the extraordinary life, how to live life above the ordinary. And so that's what we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks. And last week in particular, Paul shows us that, um, he shows us how the actions of the, the ordinary life, if you will, he shows us that people who are far from God, he says that they have become callous, right? That's the word that he used they have, they have become callous. And because they have become callous, he says that God has given them over to their senses to live according to their flesh. That's what we discussed as well earlier, how God has given us over to our human nature. And because our human nature is bad, we often find ourselves being led to do wrong things because our nature is not a good God. And so Paul is showing us that in Ephesians 4, that we don't want to live according to our flesh, but we want to live according to the spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Paul tells these Ephesians, verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, 23, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and putting on the new self, which is in the likeliness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. 25, therefore laying, therefore laying aside falsehoods, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members of one another. And I, again, I call this passage that we're looking at, the voice of Jesus. Because in, this voice, in this, these passages, we're going to see what Jesus' voice sounds like and what it doesn't sound sounds like. And I say the voice of Jesus and what it sounds like because oftentimes, I'm sure you've been there, you've heard people who or Christians or say they're believers, and they, they sit they're driving to the store, and they, and they say, hey, as I was driving to the store, the word of God hit me, Jesus began to speak to me, and he began to, to minister to me, or they'll say that, hey, brother, last night I was sitting down, or I was washing dishes, and then Jesus began to speak to me, he began, he began to give me words of encouragement, and, and sometimes when I've heard people say that, they said things that I don't believe that Jesus would say. Right, I'm sure some of you have heard that. People say, well, well, the Lord was just ministering to me, and, and he was just speaking to me. He was telling me this, and then you realize, wait, you sure that was Jesus talking to you? Because I don't think that aligns up with what Jesus would teach. I don't think that that's what Jesus would say. And so we as believers, we need to be able to understand the voice of Jesus. We need to be able to know when Jesus is talking and when Jesus is not talking. Because if we don't understand when Jesus is talking and anybody can speak and as long as it feels good to our flesh, we't attribute that to Jesus. And so that's why I call these, this passage that we're going to look at the voice of Jesus. Because in this scripture that you're going to see, what we're going to learn is what Jesus is not saying, and we're going to learn what Jesus is, is saying. So from verse 19 to verse 21, we're going to learn what Jesus is not saying when it comes to His voice. And then from verse 22 down on to 24, we're going to learn what Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus' voice does sound like, right? So that's what we're looking at today here, the voice of Jesus, what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is not saying. And this is very important. Paul really wants the church to understand this point. So in this scripture here, in verse 19, Paul, he ends this text in verse 19 by telling the believers about the people who have been walking according to the flesh, or walking as Gentiles, and he says in verse 19 that they have become callous women over that last week, and have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness, but then look what he says in verse 20. He says, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard of him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus. And so what the apostle was saying here is that these ways that he just mentioned in 19, this callousness, this living according to your flesh, you living and doing evil things, he said, Jesus did not teach you this. That's why he says that there in in verse 20. He says, but you did not learn this from Jesus. This is not in accordance with what Jesus is teaching. This is not what I have taught as an apostle. This is not what your elders have taught. If you're saying that Jesus is speaking to you in your spirit, I can tell you this, Paul. said that Jesus is not encouraging you to walk according to the flesh. and Jesus is not telling you to do those things that are wrong and that don't align with the truth of scripture. And so we say, no, Jesus didn't teach us this. So he said, if you you have truly heard of Christ, you know that Jesus is not saying that you ought to live an unrighteous life. You know that Jesus is not saying that you should walk according to your flesh. If you have truly heard of him, if he has really ministered to you, if you have received his truth, if you are one with him, then you know that this way of living, living as the Gentiles, living as those who don't know God, that is not from Christ. And so that tells us, anytime we say that it's this Jesus speaking to you, we must ask ourselves, Does it line up with the scripture? Does it line up with truth? Does it line up with righteousness? That's how we know Jesus is speaking. Paul said, that's not Jesus speaking. That's not Jesus telling you to live callous life. That's not Jesus telling you to walk according to the ways of the world. He said, we didn't teach you that. That's not how you heard this gospel. That's not Jesus ministering to you. So that's what it tells us. We need to know the voice of Jesus. We need to know what is right, because if we don't, we will really take other voices and believe and say that it's Jesus. See, let, let me give you an example of what I mean. There's this, there's this comedian, his name is, I believe is Frank Caliendo. Some of you have heard of him. Other comedians have this gift as well. But this guy, Frank Caliendo, and I may be chopping up his last name, he has this ability to impersonate other people, right? So he can impersonate a celebrity really well. Um, and, and he's not the only one, I've seen other comedians do the same thing. They can impersonate uh, politicians, for example, um, I heard a guy that, he man, if you close your eyes, he can impersonate Jay-Z, you would think Jay-Z is literally standing there right in the room. Jay-Z is a rapper, right? Um, I heard other people, I'm not being political, I'm just making this point to me, but that's a great impersonation. I think it's, is that Alex Baldwin, is that the guy that just shot the person in the movie? Yeah. That was Alec Baldwin. I'm not sure if that's him or his brother, because I know he has a brother, but he does a good Trump impersonation, and I've heard guys who've done great Obama impersonations, and I've heard people do all these different impersonations to where if you just close your eyes, you would think that Obama's right here in the room with you. You you just close your eyes, you would think that Trump is right there in the room with you. Why? Because they knew how to impersonate them so well. They knew how to sound just like them that you would think that that person was right there in the room. Kellyanne, though, he was really good at impersonating celebrities, but he didn't do a good Jesus impersonation. But here's the thing, you know who does do a really good job of doing a good Jesus impersonation? You know who's really good at making their voice sound like Jesus? You know who really knows how to impersonate Jesus and take his words and really make it sound just as if Jesus said it? You know who does that very well? Somebody take a kiss. Thank you, Christians. <laughs> See, we are good at taking things that sound like Jesus. We are good at taking the words of Jesus and now switching them to fit our agenda. We are, we are good at, at getting some of the truths of Jesus and, and making Jesus' words sound just like our words. Or we're going to make our words sound just like Jesus' words into it slightly fits our agenda to where Jesus now agrees with everything that we say and, and Jesus agrees with everything we do. We, we're really good at impersonating Jesus. We're really good at making our voice sound just like Jesus and, and convincing ourselves that Jesus is ministering to me, even though it's something that is wrong and not approved by Jesus. See, that, that's something that we must be aware of, uh, that we must be um, on guard against, church. On making our voice sound like Jesus. Making it sound like as if Jesus is speaking when really it is truly our voice. I want to give you an example of my own self. Right, and my wife, she's here, and she. I didn't get her permission to say this, so I hope she doesn't kill me. Um, Me and my wife, we've been together for a long time. A long time um, before we were both Christian. And so, before we were Christian, we were heathens just like everybody else. And so, we did what heathens do. We did not wait to marriage, all right? We were out there doing what we do. But then, me and my wife both got really introduced to Jesus. And we both came and, 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 and gave our life to Jesus. And we both got baptized on the same day. And we are both loving Jesus, but we were also living together, right? Because we, we were living together before we met Jesus. And um, I remember when we, we, we both came into Jesus, we realized, whoa, the way we're living is not right. And i we have Jesus now, and you're not my wife, you're not my husband, and we can't do what we used to do. And I remember my voice, trying to make my voice sound like Jesus. I remember where I would say, well, but Lord, we've been together for a long time, and I'm faithful to her, and Jesus knows that we're going to get married, right? And You see what I mean? You you see how we can begin to just take something that is not true, but begin to convince ourselves that it is okay with Jesus, that this this is actually Jesus' voice, when it really was not Jesus' voice. It was really the voice of my flesh. It was really the voice of my sin, but I was trying to make it sound as if it was Jesus. But Jesus did not say those things. And Just like Paul is saying here in verse 20, you did not learn Christ that way. If you have heard of him that have been taught in him that the truth is in Jesus, those things didn't align with, up with truth. If you've heard Jesus, you know that Jesus' voice is not saying you can do those things. You know that it's not Jesus' voice saying that you can live according to your flesh. So Paul here in verse 20 and 21, he's showing us what Jesus is not telling us to do. We know what his voice does not sound like. It does not sound like, I agree with your sin, I don't care how long you've been living with her, if she's not your wife, you can't do it, I don't care if you're going to do this good deed, but if it's going to cause you to do something unrighteous, it's not Jesus' voice speaking to you. So we must always examine ourselves first to see, is this really Jesus' voice talking to us, is this something that aligns with the truth of Jesus, because Paul says that no, those ways that he mentioned in 19, they don't align up with the truth of Jesus. So that's something that, I, again, I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, as Paul some of these Ephesians, that we need to know the voice of Jesus. We need to know if we have really heard his voice. And if it's unrighteousness, we know that it's not the voice of Jesus. And so that's a good measure when you're going throughout your life and you're wondering, this is Jesus speaking to me. I must ask myself, whatever I'm hearing, whether it's something in my spirit or another person, does it line up with the truth of Scripture? Because so it line up with something that Jesus would say. If it doesn't, then you know that it's not the voice of Jesus that you hear while you're washing dishes or while you're driving. So that's showing us what Jesus is not saying. So now we're going to transition here from verse twenty-two to twenty-four to show you what Jesus is saying, what his voice does sound like. So we know what his voice does not sound like, but now we're going to look at what his voice does sound like. And here's the problem. This is where I ran into trouble and how my whole sermon got thrown off. And I'm, we're going to get technical here, and I'm going to show you why. So in verse 22, Paul says this, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Let me back up. What he said in verse 22 is that Jesus didn't teach you what he said in verse 29, but Jesus did say to do this. So what he said in verse 22 is that Jesus is teaching you reference your former man of life that you lay aside your old self which has been corrupted in accordance with the lust of the sea and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new self which is in the likeness of god that's been created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth so verse 19 to 20 is telling me what jesus voice does not sound like And verse 22 to 24 telling me what jesus voice does sound like are you all saying here just want to make sure let me show you the problem where I got in trouble, and I'm going to tell you why I lay on this interpretation and understanding of the scripture. So in verse 22, where he says, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside your old self. When you read that text based on how it's translated, it sounds like it is an imperative, right? An imperative is something, it's a command. It looks like it's a command of scripture, like Jesus is telling you to throw off your old self, put off your old self, and put on this new self that has been made in righteousness, right? And so when you you read the scripture, it it looks like that. But here's the problem that I ran into and why my whole sermon got torn off. This word lay aside in verse 22. You won't see it here in the the English, but in the Greek, this word is written in the aorist tense. I told you guys I have to get technical here just so you can see my point. It's written in the aorist aorist tense. And you know how we have the, Active tense, right? Or something's or something in the passive tense, or something's in the active tense, we know that you're actually doing the action. But here, this verse, or this word, which is apho, i trying to do the Greek, it's apho te I just chopped that up. But, <laughs> shoot. but that word in the Greek is written in the aorist tense. In the aorist tense, it, it, it signifies or stands for an action. A one time effective action that has occurred in the past. It's not a continual action, it's not a passive action, but it's an action that has occurred at some point in time in the past. And so if you see that, you can see my predicament here, right? Because in verse 22, Paul is saying that we ought to put off, we ought to lay aside, which that sounds like it's a commandment for the believers to do. But this word, lay aside, is written in the heirs tense, meaning that you have already laid it aside. It has already been put off. And so that action has already been done. And so the problem here is that that I face is this. If laying aside my own self is written in the heirs term, then what Paul is saying here is that me putting aside my, my, my old man, my old soul, he's saying that, that that has already happened at one time in the flesh. That has already happened at one time in the past. He's not calling us, per se, to, to put off our old self, but he's saying that you have already put off your old self. That, that old self, that old man, you have already put it off at one point in time in the past. Women was say at one point in time in the past where our old self has been put off? And Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Why? Because when he went to the cross, our whole self was what? Crucified with Jesus. Think about this. Go to Romans, go, to phone, go with Romans to Romans 6. I want to show you this to get what I mean by that. I know this is technical, but there's no way around it other than me to walk you through what I'm talking about here. So in Romans chapter 6, i want you to see verse 4, we'll look at verse 4 through 6, look what Paul says here in Romans chapter 6 verse 4 through 6, he says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. So who has been buried with him in baptism, who's this person? It's our old self, right? It's our old person. He's saying that therefore our old person has been buried with Christ in baptism. Look what he says here. So that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in a newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self, here we go, that old self, that old person was what? Crucified with him in order that our body of sin, what? might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So what does Paul tell us there about this old self? He's saying that this old self has what? Already been crucified with Christ. That old self has already died. So what Paul said in Ephesians, he's trying to show us that you have already put off the own self. You have already put on the new self. So therefore, you ought to live righteously. You ought to live according to God's way. And that's the point that Paul is making here when you look at the scripture from the heuristics, is that you have already pulled off. Your own self, positionally, has already been crucified with Christ. You are already a new creation. So now that he's saying, you ought to live this way. So it's not that I have to constantly put off, put off. My old self has already been put off. You have already died. You have already given yourself to Christ. Once you have truly come in Jesus, you have truly repented of your sin, you have truly believed in him, that old self really has died. That person is dead. And guess what? You you were raised to life, and you are truly now a new creation. You are truly now a new creature. That old you is no longer that way. And because that old you is no no longer that way, then you should walk according to your new way. That is the point that Paul is making here in Ephesians, is that this has already happened to you, which is why we have passages like 2 Corinthians 5.17. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Corinthians 5:17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what type of creature? Yeah. He's a new creature. What happened with those old things? They're passed away. Behold, what has happened? New things have come. Your old self has already passed away. He's saying you already, right now, already are a new creation that person, that likeness, that self that's made in the image of God that is now already on you when you came in Christ. See, here's the thing that you—that you, that I want to show you. In verse 17 here in 2 Corinthians, when he says he is a new creature, in the Greek there's two words for new, but one word is kynos, and the other word is neos, right? Kynos means new as in kind, so for example, If I have an old car and I'm going to go renovate that car and I'm going to make that old car that's all rusted and busted out, if I'm going to make it new, I'm going to put rims on it, I'm going to paint it, the word that the Greek would use to describe that type of new is neos. Why? Because it's still a car, it's just new, it's just made different, it's just renovated, it's just real fresh. But the word kinos is me saying as opposed to renovating and making that car new, I'm going to give you a hovercraft. You see, it's a total different creature, right? It's a total different object, it's not just a car, or it's not just a vehicle, but it's a total different vehicle unlike the old vehicle which was a car. That's the word that Paul is using here in 17. He says if anybody is in Christ, you are literally a whole new creature. You are so new, you are nothing at all like use you used to. He's not using the word neos, he's not saying that if you are in Christ, you are just renovated and you're just made new, you're just rejuvenated, but he's saying here in 17, if you are in Christ, literally, your old self is gone, that person doesn't exist anymore, and you are truly, right now, you are a new creature, you are a new creation, that old person has already been put off, this new person has already been put on. Because this new person has already put on Paul is saying in Ephesians 4 that you also live and walk that way. And, and that, is, that, is the, that is how that verse, that is one interpretation of how you can understand this verse. The other way you can understand Ephesians 4 is to see it as a command where Paul is telling us to put off our old self and that we need to put on our new self. That is one way to look at it, but when I look at it from the Creed and other translators also agree, Paul is not Given us an imperative, our command here in Ephesians 4, he's stating a fact. He's saying that you already are new, that you already have put it off. And so now you should walk according to this newness that you are in. And so when it comes to hearing the voice of Jesus and what Jesus is saying, the voice of Jesus is never the one telling you that you are worthless that you are nothing. See that is not the voice of Jesus The voice of Jesus is the one that's going to be saying that you are a new creation that you are not how you used to be that you are now a son or daughter of God See, that is what the voice of Jesus is going to say when you understand the text from this perspective from this Greek perspective That's the voice of Jesus The voice of Jesus is not the one saying you're a loser The voice of Jesus is saying that no you can do all things through Christ The voice of Jesus is saying you are now walking in the spirit See that is the voice of Jesus the voice of Jesus is pointing out how you are dead, that old person, but this new person in you is alive. That you're not who you used to be. And your job is now to live like that. So that's the, the point there in Ephesians 4. Let me get back to Ephesians 5. So back in Ephesians 4 here. So Paul again, he, he said to put off your former life and to put on this new self. Both of these texts, even in 24, when he says to put on the new self, guess what? That's written in the aorist tense, meaning that it has already happened in the past. When Paul says to put on the new self in verse 24, which is in the likeness of God, that text is written in the past. It's here that it has already happened. She believes you got to get this. You are already new. The point is now you just must live like you are new. You you, you must live like it. I I read a comment that said this, when, when Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, he said that some slaves, even though they were free, they were still living as if they were slaves, even though they got the proclamation that they're no longer slaves. And that's us sometimes, we think that we're still in bondage to sin, but no, what Paul is saying here about Jesus, the voice of Jesus is saying, no, you have already been set free, you have already been made new, so now your, your job is therefore to live like it. Which is why in verse 25 when it says laying aside falsehood, again that word laying aside in verse 25 is also in the air of So he said, since you have laid aside these falsehoods, guess what? Speak truth. Why? Because you are no longer in these falsehoods. Why? Because lying is no longer a part of you. Why? Because your old self has died. So since your old self has died, you ought to live according to your new self. So believers, sure. you again, I, I just can't stress it. You are already new. That's what the scriptures are trying to get you to see. That is what the voice of Jesus is saying. You are new. And yes, when my flesh still tries to act like an old person, I must put that aside. But I still must understand that I have already come and am in Christ. I am already this new person, this new self who's made in the likeness of Christ, who's made and created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. You must believe that about yourself that that is who you are. That old person, they don't exist anymore. That's why if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That person is not you, so stop claiming your old self. Stop saying that it's still me. That is not you. You are new in Christ. You are nothing like you. You are not a renovated person. You are a hovercraft. You are a whole new vehicle. Why? Because you are in Jesus. That is what the voice of Jesus is saying. And that is what Paul is saying here in his letter to the Ephesians. you knew. new. We're new. We must put on but Jesus already put it on. So my job is just to keep walking in it. And when my flesh rises up and tries to tell me to do things that don't with Jesus, yes, I kick it to the side, but I kick it to the side because I'm a new creature. That's not part of me anymore. So you must claim your new identity here. So Paul says to put on, put off this old self, meaning this old self has already been put off and this new self has already been put on. And he says, that is the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is not telling you to walk in unrighteousness. That's not the voice of Jesus. That is not what we taught you. That is not what Christ taught you. But the voice of Jesus is saying that you are a new creature. The voice of Jesus is saying that you are different. And so we put on this new self through Jesus, because He has put it on us. So that is how we. That is what the voice of Jesus is saying in that aspect of verse twenty-two to twenty-four. But there's another part that I haven't discussed yet. So Paul tells us to put off the old self and put on the new self. And then in verse 23, he says that you'd be renewed in the spirit of your mind. As can you give me a, napkin? i got too excited, I'm trying to sweat. <laughs> so verse 23, in Ephesians 4, he now says that you'd be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, this word renewed in the spirit of your mind, it's written in the present tense, in present tense, and it's actually a passive verb. So that means that I have no role really in the renewing of my mind. I don't play a role in renewing my mind. It's said that be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which means that I don't play a role per se in actually renewing my mind. I can't renew my mind. It is something that God is doing, which is why this verse is written in the passive sense. When a verse is written in the passive sense, it means that you, the subject, has no, no role in actually bringing them this renewal. So this renewal of the mind that, that Paul is saying to be renewed, he's telling the Ephesians to be renewed in the spirit of their mind, it is not a renewal that you can do on your own. It is not something you can do in the flesh it's something that God actually does in you. He is the one that actually renews your mind. He renews the spirit of your mind to where you can now understand and know God. And you know how God renews the spirit of your mind, church? You know what he uses or who is the agent that he uses to renew the spirit of your mind? What did he say, brother? Holy Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent that God uses to renew our minds. See, brothers and sisters, you can't make your mind new. Only God can do that. Only God by his Holy Spirit can make your mind new. You can change all types of things about you. Like I said, you can change your hair. You can, if you've got nails, you can change your nail color. You can change your clothes. But when it comes to having a new mind, having your mind renewed, that is not something that you can directly do. That is something that only the work of God can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? We know this from verses like Titus 3, 5, and 6. Go with me to Titus 3, 5, and 6. 3, 5, 6. This is how we know the Holy Spirit is the renewing agent, and He makes our minds new. The Word of God says this. I'm sorry, verse four. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appear, verse five says He saved us not on the basis of these for which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Look, by the washing of regeneration and what renewing by the Holy Spirit, how do we get it? Whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So the Holy Spirit is the renewing agent. The Holy Spirit is the one that uh, renews your mind and makes your mind fresh and new. And it's not you and I, but it's actually a work of God. It is God who comes in and He he begins to renew and refresh our mind. It's, It's kind of like this, in a natural sense, it's like this, imagine a football coach. And he has a team and his team is getting blown out. When your team is getting blown out, what happens to to the mindset of the team? People begin to get defeated. They lose hope in their mind. And so what is the job of the coach? The job of the coach is to come in and to renew their mind, to give them encouragement, to build them up, to change their mind, to make them believe that they can go out there and do it, that they can go out there and beat their enemies. Now, in a spiritual sense, that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit goes and He renews our mind. He makes our minds new and fresh every day. See this word renewal here? It's, it's the word neos. Remember we said neos? It's, it's a rejuvenation. It's a reinvigoration. So. What Paul is saying here is that the Holy Spirit, day by day, continuously, every day, He goes and He reinvigorates our mind. He goes and He draws our mind towards God. He builds us a mind that's God-centered. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, you Ephesians, you continue to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the spirit of your mind is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that goes and renews and refreshes us. Another example of the renewing of the Holy Spirit that I want to show you so you can really get this is John 7. Turn with me to John 7. This is the last text I want to send you to. I really want you to see this is really powerful how, how the Holy Spirit renews us and it really stands out here. John chapter 7. And I want you to look at verse 37 through 39. So you can see how the Holy Spirit really is that renewal. So look what we're saying here in 37. Look what it says, John 76 says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, he who believes in me He says, as the scripture says, here goes our key part, from his innermost beings will what? Flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believe in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Think about what he just said in verse 38. He said from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Let me tell you why this is very important. In the first century context, water was identified as living if it was active and moving. A river is living water, right? Because a river generally moves, right? A pond or a lake is stagnant, it is still, right? What does Paul say here about the Holy Spirit? He said the Holy Spirit will flow rivers what is rivers doing it's moving so what do rivers do they constantly refresh right they're constantly bringing in new water they're constantly bringing in new source that's why the holy spirit it says he will flow inside of you because the holy spirit is constantly bringing in a refreshment a newness of life into our mind so the holy spirit is described here as a river flowing moving in our beings See, that's the, again, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he renews us like that river that's bringing fresh water. He goes and he makes our minds strong. That's why when we go into scripture and we begin to read scripture, the Holy Spirit begins to take that word and we come out feeling all good, all strong. Why? Because the Holy Spirit just has renewed our mind with the word of God. He has just made us strong. And so Paul is saying here, you believers, you continue to allow this Holy Spirit to renew you, to make you new every day. Not that you renew your minds, but you allow the Holy Spirit to renew your minds. Now, that, that's very passive, right? It, again, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to renew our mind, but we do have some actually cooperation in this. And I, and I want to give you an analogy of a, of a knee surgery to make it clear. So imagine if you just had knee surgery, right? You just had knee surgery, and what is the first thing that the doctor tells you after you get on a knee surgery? Let's say you had an ACL injury. They would tell you to go home, and it would tell you to ice your knee, right? That would, that would be your only job They would say, go home, ice your knee, don't bang it up, but just sit there and rest, and you ice your knee. That's going to be your role in the renewal of your knee. You don't know what's going on in your knee. You can't, you can't go inside and fix your knee. Your job in the renewal of your knee is just to sit there and put ice on it and to make sure nothing is getting banged up. That's, just, that's our same role when it comes to the spiritual realm. We can go and renew our mind, but our job is to go and get and the Holy Spirit gets that word and he begins to renew us through it. See, just as ice is good for the knee, guess what? So is truth good for the Holy Spirit. So when we go and we study God's word, when we study his truth, he begins to work in us and do our, do our part in making us new. See, that, that is your role in this renewal process. Your process, your, your role is not to go and make your own mind new, but your role is to go and bring God's truth and the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate that truth and rejuvenate and, and make your mind new to where you begin to walk. And live like God. That's your role in all of this. it's not you fixing yourself, it's not you going to renewing your own mind. But no, your job is to go and get truth and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and bring truth to your mind and make your mind different. We've seen this all the time, right? We've been down so many times and we go to the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit has just gone and renewed us and refreshed us and made us new. That is how we allow the Holy Spirit to continue to renew us. And so when we look at all what Paul is saying here in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, he's saying you've already put off this old person, you've already put on this new person, and I'm now constantly refreshing you and renewing you, therefore go and live righteous, go and live holy. And so he's going to give us the rest of how we ought to live in these coming passages. But that's the whole point that I really want you to see in Ephesians 4. The voice of Jesus is saying that you are already new. The voice of Jesus is saying that old self has already passed away. The voice of Jesus is saying that I'm renewing you day by day. That is what the voice of Jesus is saying. The voice of Jesus is not saying go and live unrighteously. The voice of Jesus is not saying do those things that are pleasing to God. But the voice of Jesus is saying do the things that God loves. That's how you know what the voice of Jesus sounds like. I know, church, this was a lot, and as I said, it wasn't a picture-perfect sermon with all the points laid out. Um, it's really technical, but I, I pray that from whatever you was able to gain in that you are helped and that you have a better understanding of the voice of Jesus when he is speaking, when He's not speaking. If you come away with that understanding, then amen, I'm good. All the other parts, I'm sure that you can read on your own and the Holy Spirit will reveal. But if you can leave today understanding what the voice of Jesus sounds like when I know when He's speaking and what the voice of Jesus is not sounding like, then I'll say, Amen, God, that is what I want to happen. And so I pray that is what you come away with.